Hey, it's me, Chris. You're listening to SGV Weekly. And now it's time that I let you in on the process of making the show. Working on SGV Weekly is my favorite thing. I get to meet interesting people. I learn stuff about the Valley, but it's also a shit ton of work. Finding stories to cover, booking guests during COVID, listening back to the same piece of audio 420 times. It's fun, though, and extremely rewarding. Hearing that these stories make people feel more connected to their hometowns is all I ever wanted to do with this radio business. And even though I pretty much do whatever I want, I still care what you think. That's why I have a survey on sgvweekly.com. You should take it and tell me what you want to hear on the show. I'm open to trying different things. Like this week's show is an experiment. Instead of one interview, we've got a mishmash grab bag of your fix of the 626. Like the saga of Alhambra's Castle on the Hill, where Phil Spector murdered Lana Clarkson. A chat with a young guy from Bassett who's trying to change the Democratic Party. If we do not vote progressive, we will lose the Democratic Party of California to centrists and to folks who might as well be conservatives. The rebirth of the world-famous Dr. Rubin. It's like a sexy, slick look. And in between, we'll eat some mystery meat at Arcadia Regional Park on SGV Weekly. Motherfuck, the napkins have gone. I have some in my car. I should probably get them. Napkins? Uh, yeah, I have a bunch. Okay. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be like three or four segments. I'm not sure if I'm going to do news or not. Now for some local news. The Tribune reports there was a vigil in front of West Covina City Council Tuesday night for Gabby Perez. Perez was shot in her car on Azusa and Amar at the start of the year. Her family implored the council to find her killers. Mayor Luddy Lopez Viado told the Tribune she wants neighboring cities to band together and ask the county for more law enforcement funding. On Wednesday, Viado met with La Puente Mayor Charlie Klanakis, whose council recently increased funding to the industry sheriff's station by half a million dollars. Activists are pushing for cities to fund gang diversion programs instead. The Whittier Daily News reports, the ACLU is alleging Whittier City Council broke the state's open meeting law. The council hasn't taken live comments by phone or Zoom since the start of the pandemic. City officials said they're following the governor's order to allow for teleconferencing. But the ACLU says they've gone too far, and Councilmember Henry Bouchot says it's taking the teeth out of public comment. Mayor Joe Vinatieri says he doesn't think all comments need to be made by voice. Activists say it's an excuse to ignore the public, just as some are seeking the removal of Councilmember Jessica Martinez for attending the Stop the Steal rally at the Capitol. Another weekend, another protest against gay bashing in El Monte. Last week, there was a caravan across the city that converged in front of First Works Baptist Church. It made Fox 11's 10 o'clock news. How are residents in El Monte reacting to all of this? They plan to continue holding demonstrations like this one. This Sunday, they're back at 10.30 a.m. for a ballroom protest with runway performances and a best-dressed competition. Info at Keep El Monte Friendly on Insta. And the Tribune reports Bishop Amat's baseball team intends to become a club team next month. The newly christened San Gabriel Valley Rays will play at San Manuel Stadium in an invite-only league called Pro Ambitions. Coach Joe Hoggett says he doesn't see competing as a huge COVID-19 risk, though he said if his boss said no, he would honor that. And that's some of this week's news around the 626. After the break, pomade, democracy, and the search for Phil Spector's hairdryer. 
SGV Weekly is supported by Callback Yesterday, a new podcast in which John Raby explores somewhere in time, love, loss, memory, nostalgia, Mackinac Island, and time travel. If you're a secret fan of the movie, which turns 40 this year, own a time machine shaped like a book, and still talk to your dead loved ones, maybe this is the podcast for you. Call back yesterday with John Raby. John urges you to support SGV Weekly with a generous donation like he did. Does your Instagram feed need more than just thirst traps and cheese pulls? Follow SGV Weekly for interview clips with everyday people and pictures of the rowdiest cars in the 626. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Rate and review the show to help us get it out there and make a better program for the San Gabriel Valley. Visit sgvweekly.com for expanded content from each episode and a link to our Patreon. Give if you can and support citizen journalism. Thanks. We're back to SGV Weekly with Chris Greenspawn. Now we're going to hear from a young queer student affairs professional from Bassett who's running for a delegate seat in the ADEM election. The delegates vote for which candidates the Democratic Party will back. They themselves are not politicians. Anyway, I know this guy through La Puente Mutual Aid, and he hit me up about coming on the show. This isn't an endorsement. We're just hearing about why this election matters. So I'll let him introduce himself. My name is Aaron Simatal. I am a product of Bassett. It's a small community in the East San Gabriel Valley. It's right next to La Puente in Baldwin Park. I lived there all my life. I went to Bassett High School and graduated 2014, went to Rio Hondo College. I majored in history, public policy, been in student government since high school, Rio Hondo. I was really involved in Bass Unified as a student leader. I was a first generation student. Doing community college was difficult. My brother went to Mount Sac for a bit, but college wasn't his thing. So trying to do that was really rough. And I really wanted to get like support and be that person to provide support. So a lot of my student jobs and gigs on campus were mostly towards student affairs. I was a student success coach, kind of like a para-counselor to um, local high school students who needed kind of like navigating the college processes, stuff like that. Simantel is 24, a Rio Hondo and UCLA grad. He had an unsuccessful run for Bassett School Board last year, though he chairs the district's personnel commission. Simantel has no further aspiration to run for office at the moment, just the delegate seat, which he calls a form of public service rather than public office. He's running in the 48th district as part of a slate called Challenging the Establishment. And we picked our name intentionally to do exactly that. When we look into the 48th district, our elected legislative leadership, it's not that we have a contempt for them personally, but when we look at what do they represent and stand for, we do have an issue is, are they progressive enough in this day and age as we need them? We've seen accepting a fossil fuel money by our state senator. We haven't seen bold denouncing of police brutality and affirming of Black Lives Matter. That isn't to say that these folks haven't done good at all. You know, Congresswoman Napolitano, you know, we owe that we have clean water from her. However, in a time of a climate crisis, when we need affordable housing, when we need rent control, when we need public funding of our schools, again, it's not to say that these folks are blocking, but we need folks who are going to do more and who aren't going to be afraid of doing more. The point is, we do not see them as progressives. That is why we want to be elected as delegates, is to make sure that we will elect folks and support folks and endorse folks 
who we truly see as champions for these progressive changes. Someone who is going to fight for housing, who's going to fight for more regional transportation, who is going to make sure that we have money for our schools, money for hospitals, money for healthcare, not money for police, not money for the fossil fuel industry, not taking support from real estate companies. We can't keep the status quo. That's something that is major to us. It's one of our tenants, and we want to make sure that we are supporting folks who are from the community, who understand these urgent, pressing needs, and will stand by these values of making sure that we are doing what's best for our community. Those who are already registered to vote in this election can vote for up to 14 delegates in their district. Here are the rules. Of these 14 folks, the rules of the state Democratic Party say that seven will be folks who identify as female and seven will be folks other than identifying as female. That would include seven women and then seven either men, um, gender nonconforming, non-binary, if you don't identify as women, I'm assuming, by that language, which is interesting. So it's seven and seven for a total of 14. Your mail-in ballot will come with a paid return envelope already addressed, but there are a few things you don't want to mess up. You need to make sure that you have your voter registration ID. When you get the main big envelope, the package that has the Democratic Party ballot in it, it will also tell you what your voter registration ID is. So if you forgot about it when you first registered, it's there. So you have to make sure you have to put it in there. The second thing is if you vote for over 15 in general, your entire ballot is wasted and will not be counted. So those are the two very important aspects to it. You can only use blue or black ink. If you bubble in the wrong candidate, put an X over your mistake. The due date to get ADEM ballots mailed and time-stamped is Wednesday the 27th. I repeat, Wednesday the 27th. Aaron Simontal is part of the delegate slate challenging the establishment, running in California's 48th district in the East San Gabriel Valley. What'd you think of the beef rolls? Phenomenal. You can tell the beef is one of their cheapest beef cuts. It's very thin, but I'm loving the crisp. The crisp veggies are great. Yeah, yeah. The green onions are very crisp, but the cucumbers are amazing. And of course, the Chinese pancake is phenomenal because it's it's oily and it's it's bread. It just tastes amazing. It's really good. It's slightly sweet. Also, in the beef, in the um, noodles, have you noticed kind of like a sausage vibe? Yeah. I'm getting a sausage vibe. Is that beef? Is it not chicken? It's not pork? To me, it's unidentifiable meat. I like it. Yeah. It's reminding me of breakfast. You have a frisbee? As we all know, Phil Spector died last Sunday. He died of natural causes, according to the Department of Corrections, in a hospital near his prison. Spector produced songs for The Ronettes, The Crystals, John Lennon, Ike, and Tina Turner. And in 2003, he killed an out-of-work actor named Lana Clarkson at his mansion in Alhambra. He was convicted of second-degree murder in 2009 after an earlier mistrial and spent the rest of his life incarcerated. Spectre met Clarkson while she was waiting tables at the House of Blues. He took her out on the town and then, pretty quickly, after taking her home in his limo, shot her in the mouth. Not much of a surprise. In court, several other women said Spectre had pulled guns on them, as he did with Leonard Cohen and the Ramones decades before. And so Phil Spectre committed one of the highest-profile murders of the 2000s in the San Gabriel Valley. To quote the man himself, in a beautiful and enchanting castle, in a hick town where there's no place to go that you shouldn't go. 
Spector bought the mansion where he killed Clarkson in 1998 for a million dollars. It was not the home where he imprisoned his ex-wife, Ronnie Spector. That was in the Hollywood Hills. This was a fortress where the one-time king of pop went to live out his irrelevant years. It's known as the Pyrenees Castle. According to the blog, Bridge to the Pyrenees, the house was built in 1925 by a French migrant named Sylvester Dupuis. Dupuis was born in 1878 into a Basque family, which had a large sheep ranching property covering the Cal State LA area. His mother Marie died after giving birth to twins, and his father Raymond took the children back to France for about a decade. When the Dupuis returned to California, the now teenage Sylvester had a dream. A dream of living in one of those big French chateaus he saw in the Pyrenees. He became his uncle Jean-Baptiste's favorite ranch hand, and at 18, he became the ranch manager. His flock of sheep grew, and he invested in oil. An incredible success story of someone born into wealth becoming even wealthier. Sylvester Dupuis finally realized his childhood dream at 46. He began constructing his own Pyrenees castle. He spent $500,000 in Roaring Twenties money, and four grand turrets were built around a three-winged estate, with tennis courts, playgrounds, and gardens. It became a gathering place for French socialites in Los Angeles, including athletes at the 1932 Olympics. Of course, we know what happened during the 30s. Dupuis lost most of his riches during the Depression and died in 1936. Ten years later, his children sold the castle, and it was sectioned into apartments. Their mother Anna lived in one until she died in 1949. The mansion was remodeled by a Chinese investor in the 80s, according to the LA Times. By the time old Phil Spector came to roost there in 1998, the chateau's features included a 360-degree view of the SGV, chandeliers, original hardwood, home offices, mirrored ceilings, murals, suits of armor, a fountain, a butler's pantry, and the marble foyer where Lana Clarkson was found dead. Since Spectre's conviction in 2009, the Pyrenees Castle has been unable to find another buyer. Spectre's last wife, Rochelle Short, put the home up for sale as part of their divorce settlement. The original asking price was $5.5 million, but dropped to a little under $4 million in late 2020. Interested buyers may contact Hilton and Highland for a chance at owning a piece of what they call a bygone era of opulence and the largest private residence in the San Gabriel Valley. You got a frisbee. I have a, a frisbee and I have disc golf frisbees. I'm a, I think they're in my car right now. What's the difference? Can you hurt somebody with a disc golf frisbee? Oh, yeah. You can really hurt Is it somebody. heavier? They're heavier. Uh, but they go f- further, obviously. Mm. A little more harder to, to maintain, but I might have them in my car if we get a little itch under our ass. Yeah. When I asked you if you had a frisbee, I wasn't expecting it to be in your car. I wasn't even expecting you to know where it was. Well, Chris... The reason I have it in my car is for moments like this when someone says, <laughs> got a frisbee? So I could be like, hell's yeah. I got a frisbee. I got frisbees. If my disc golf bag is in my car, I have eight in there. Last year, I got married under the full moon on a Thursday night. But before the ceremony, 
I decided to get something to make the evening a little more special. So I met this guy on the corner of Valley and Garfield. It's almost like a lube. He had it in a brown paper bag, and he wanted cash. It's like a sexy, slick look. It was just pomade. Dr. Rubin's pomade. I'd seen stickers for it, and he followed SGV Weekly on Insta. So instead of getting some old spice at CVS, I met this guy in a muscle shirt in front of the hat. And he turned out to have a really cool story about how his pomade ended up world famous, but I didn't want to creep him out by showing up with a microphone. My mistake. So I caught up with Jason Marshak of Dr. Rubens on Zoom in the first of a series I'm calling Valley Voices. My dad was actually Dr. Rubin himself. He made the formula back in World War II, never to sell really, just for himself and the guys in his unit. He was based here in uh, the States. He was in a medical research unit in uh, Texas. They were using like Vaseline back then, stuff they had around the lab. But a lot of guys, their hair would fall out. I remember he used to say that. So he decided to see something that hopefully would nourish the scalp at the same time. So that's why he put all these essential oils in there. It's that heavy, shiny look that Elvis has that all these young dudes want. That's the look you can only get from pomade. So when my dad moved from New York and my uncles, they opened up a clinic here in East L.A. That's where my father met my mom, and they settled in Alhambra, basically born and raised here in the SGV. My brother started to make it. We were really into the rockabilly lifestyle for quite a long time, and my brother started to make it using that formula for ourselves, and then we started to give it to friends. We were really into cars. <laughs> the way the women dress is really attractive, I feel. Maybe it's a primal thing where the colors are always primary. The hair is slick. It's simple and raw in a way that appeals to me. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you it's a lifestyle. You know, <laughs> they always say the best day it builds up is day three. So what that means is you pomade in. Even if you take a shower, it's still going to stay in there a little bit because it's so heavy. But it looks so good on the third day. That's, that's the day. It's amazing. You know, sometimes I pinch myself really that it's like I see on Instagram, Facebook, these people in Indonesia wearing the shirts and I meet so many awesomely weird people that reaffirms my faith in humanity again, where I can say, I can't believe there's someone like you that exists. And I say, I can't believe there's someone like you that exists. And that's what really makes it worthwhile. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but I wouldn't change it. It's awesome. That's Jason Marshak of Dr. Rubin's Pomade. Keep an eye out for further editions of Valley Voices. Ooh, well, I'm spent. Shit was good. Yes. That was phenomenal. I'm quite filling. And this nice frothy beer is also tasting very good. Do you have sanitary wipes? Or just the, the old... Uh... I got naps in the car and I got um, sanitizer right here. And that's it for this mishmash grab bag of an episode. Thanks to Aaron Cimental, Richard Garcia, Jason Marshak, and Phil Spector for dying. Our usual theme song is Carry Home by The Gun Club, courtesy of Manifesto Records which we didn't use this week. All of the show's ambient music is by Kevin Greenspawn. Our logo was designed by Felipe Flores and Rita Greenspawn. SGV Weekly is hosted and produced by me, Chris Greenspawn. Thanks to all of you for listening and supporting the show. 
Talk soon.